I've been teaching a series on Sunday mornings, and uh, this uh, series started out with the doctrine of the scriptures, and that's the foundation. The Bible is God's word. Uh, heaven and earth will pass away, but God's word will not pass away. There are a lot of messages, there are a lot of philosophies, there are a lot of worldviews, but from Genesis to Revelation, it says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, all scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. Look at what happens after this, and this is my goal today. So that the man, woman, or child of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. Here's my assumption that you understand. If you embrace the biblical account, you realize your life is not happenstance or an accident. You're not, it's not the basis of the theory of evolution. It's the concrete evidence that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He made all the beauty of the universe and all the harmony of the oceans and the, the tides and the, the moon and the sun and all the functions, all the systems. As long as life remains, there will be seed time and harvest, cycles and seasons. God being the author of it, save the best for last, he calls humanity the crown and glory of his creation. After he made the, the animal life and all the vegetation and he made all the beauty, the ocean and all that lives in them, he made humanity in his image for his purposes. I'm just reminding you of this. I'm stirring you up by way of reminder. And I'm letting you know that God initiated this thing. God did it, one scripture says, for his good pleasure because he wanted to, for his glory. Uh, he gets glory out of what he's created. Creation declares the glory of God. And so we, as his people, uh, continually go into this awareness, lest we have a terrible problem with our identity. We have an identity crisis. And that's being uncertain about yourself with regard to your origin. Well, I'm, I'm not uncertain about my origin. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He made humanity in his image. He made us for a purpose. The identity crisis will try to make you wonder, what, what's my purpose in life? I'm here to tell you this morning, God created you. He has a plan for you. And generally, it's that you bring honor and glory to him that through your lifetime, through eternity, you're eternal. I was just talking to a young couple, and they're having their second little boy. And her little, she's got a little baby bump. And I think about the destiny that little guy has. And that he said, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Uh, I didn't know my biological father till I was in my 30s, but God had it all covered. We all have a story. We all come from uh, a background. We all have a background, but yet in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we have a foreground and a future. He said that if anyone is in Christ, and I'm going to talk to you about being in Christ, if anyone is in Christ, he or she becomes a brand new creation, a brand new creature. The old things passed away. And behold, look, new things have come. Behold means look, ponder, consider, pay attention to. Make this your preoccupation. Fixate on this. We are to forget those things which lie behind, and we're to be forward in our thinking. This is a forward-oriented movement. 
This is not a shame-based movement we're part of. Jesus endured the cross. He despised the shame. He didn't come to condemn. He came to seek and save that which is lost. That's why it's certifiably called gospel, which means good news. He came to set captives free and not bring us into bondage. He came to liberate us so that we could walk in enjoyment of his purposes. We are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. And we're by design created in Christ to show forth his praises, the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of his dear son. Oh, I'm getting excited about this. Because if you're in Christ, you become positionally, you become a different species of being which never before existed. Guy asked me what, what happened in my life when I gave my life to Jesus. I was 16 years old in 1972, almost 50 years ago. And I was led to the Lord, and I, God granted me repentance. I was convicted of my sin, and I repented. And when I repented, initially I felt like an 8,000-pound gorilla got pulled off my back. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? I was lost in sin, and then I was introduced to the truth. And the Bible says as you, as you get to know the truth, the truth will set you free. Jesus is the truth. He's the way, the truth, and the life. He comes in to rescue. He's on a rescue mission. And this is my message. Uh, in the foundational teachings on Sunday. There are a lot of social ills that can be fixed by people that understand they're a new creation in Christ. There are a lot of issues we could pray through rather than being preoccupied or being lured into a lesser battle if we'll pay attention and keep the big deal the big deal. So my job is to restate the obvious to you. My opportunity is under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and under the anointing to pastor you, to equip you, to get you ready so you may be adequate, sufficient for every good work. God wants to stir up something on each one of your lives, young, medium, and elder, male and female, new Christian, long-distance runner. And, and, and first of all, we need to understand that, that the sin condition gets obliterated and we become a new creation. You say, well, as a Christian, though, aren't we a sinner saved by grace? I don't think that's a correct term because a sinner implies chronic sinfulness by nature. And the Bible says that when we receive Jesus, we become partakers of uh, his nature. We become partakers of his nature. We become a new creation. I'm not in denial, however, that I have flesh, you have flesh, and that Christians sin. We do. That's why in 1 John 1, 9, it says that if anyone sins, we have, if, uh, we have an advocate with the Father. If we confess our sins, rather, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You get a hold of this, the accuser of the brethren will have to back off substantially because some of you have been bound up, some of you have been tricked, and you've been in a snare. And I backslid for a while. This guy asked me, did your life radically change? I said, well, it did, um, and, and changes did occur, but I was only walking with the Lord for about six months, and then we moved from California to St. Louis, and I failed to look for a church. I think, had I gotten busy... I was 16 years old, but had I was 17 at that point. Had I gotten out there and found a church I could go to, I probably would have been, my, my new, brand new budding Christian life would have been sustainable. But I backslid, I got with friends. Uh, they were going, running the wrong way, and I got back and started sowing wild oats and living wrong again. So when the guy asked me about that, well, no, I initially did get my life changed, but my soul, my mind didn't catch up with it. And I was yielding to my flesh. Does that make sense? And that was a miserable time for me. It was miserable. And it's kind of like this. 
I lived off of dog food, spiritually speaking, all my life. And I just was used to dog food. I ate kibble and bits. I ate uh, Alpo. I ate, you know, some kennel ration. I, you know, had maybe Gaines burgers. Remember Gaines burgers? I don't know if they still make them. Uh, we killed our dog with Gaines burgers, I think. But uh, they look like hamburgers, but they're, they felt like wax and plastic. And that's probably the dogs would be like, what are you doing? This is abuse. Then I, but when I got saved, it was like I had a beautiful T-bone steak. And I went, wow. And then from then on, it's like, this is a big contrast from the dog food. But yet, stupid me, I turned back around and I started going back for the kennel ration. I backslid. And that's what the Bible says, like a dog returning to its vomit or a pig to wallowing in the mire. That's a gross example right before breakfast. But... That is, in fact, what happened, and that can happen. And if it's happened to you, you need to go back in and realize, hey, wait a minute, I'm in Christ. I'm a new creation. Go and look at Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. It, 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 Jesus is standing at the door of the Laodicean church back in the early beginnings, and he's knocking on the door. He says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. Boy, I could hear him knocking. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, look at how breathtaking this is. I will come into him and will dine with him and he with me. We do fast food through the week. I get a salad over here at Chick-fil-A. Sorry, you can't get them today because they don't, they're not open on Sunday. But this is not talking about a fast food meal. This is a, the, the word for dine is the Greek word for lingering over a long, hospitable uh, family meal, like a, something like a big spread, something like in the Middle East and this, this time frame, what Jesus is saying is, you receive me, you open your heart to me, I'll come in and, and I will dine with you. I will connect with you, I will fellowship with you, I will live on the inside of you. Paul the Apostle said in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, I've been crucified with Christ, yet nevertheless I live. And he said, in the life I live, look what it says in Galatians 2.20, if we could get that on the screen. He says, but Christ lives in me. Everybody say, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. Did you ever see Steven Spielberg's movie in the 80s? Uh, Indiana Jones, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Anybody ever see Raiders of the Lost Ark? Oh, I love that movie. That movie was a, from, from Spielberg's Jewish perspective about the Ark of the Covenant and uh, the stories in the book of Genesis, Revelation, uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and so forth, where God instructed the people to build a, a box and a tabernacle with a, a separation between God's holiness and man's sinfulness. He set up a, a structure of priesthood and gave law and gave parameters to start to, he downloaded amazing things uh, uh, into the Jewish people. We are recipients of those benefits. The, the Messiah came through the Jews, according to John 4. And we must be appreciative and understanding of that. But in that movie, there was this archaeologist, I think he was French, and he put on all the gear of the priest and he wanted to do, and with all these Nazis, and uh, you remember that scene where uh, the, they took the lid off of it, 
And he said, it's beautiful. And then he his head blew up like a pumpkin. Remember that? And at that point, we were so mad at the Nazis that we were so excited that the fire shot out of his eyes and burned everybody up. You guys remember all that? Well, I'm reading it. I'm young at that point in ministry. And I'm, I am so excited. I'm standing on my seat in the auditorium. And I'm yelling. You know, people are like, what are you? Because I'm seeing a cinematic depiction of the glory of God. And that's what was happening uh, in smatterings throughout uh, the Old Testament history. The glory of God was relegated into an isolated environment and occasionally would come on uh, notable men or women of God for certain purposes. Like, for example, the prophet Elijah to, to cleanse and scour Baal worship uh, that was trying to blend in with Jehovah worship. Uh, and, and he had to stand against it. And something called the anointing, which was the empowerment from God, came upon him. And then he also was able to outrun a chariot. Those are fantastic things. But it, they were smatterings, and they would come and go. They were not consistent. And then in that glory, man couldn't really have a connection with it because humanity was all lost in sin, and a redeemer hadn't come yet. One time, David and his people were walking with the Ark of the Covenant between poles, and men were carrying it reverently on their shoulder, and it started to, to tip. Somebody had stumbled maybe, or the road was uneven, something like that, and a man reached up to try to steady the Ark. I don't know if you've read this story, and he was struck dead. And the reason for it was not because God was mad at him and that kind of thing, but it was because the glory of God and man, something would give. And, and man was not prepared for at that point to be able to have that kind of involvement or that level of connection because our sin had separated us from God and it produced death and the, a big outgrowth and the big collateral damage was separation. And so that's scary. But, but yet then when you realize that if anyone is in Christ, in Christ, he comes on the inside of you. And Paul the Apostle, who was Jewish, who understood that harshness of the old covenant, he said, look, man, now in Christ, you are vessels, you are temples of the Holy Spirit. You have this treasure in earthen vessels. Do you realize what this says is when you're saved, you get so cleansed and get so changed that that glory that we couldn't possibly be near now actually is poured down onto the inside of us. That you're the temple of the Holy Spirit and in fact, you're a carrier of the presence of God. You may not know it. You may not realize it fully. But I'm telling you, this is why I'm preaching this today. You and I, we have become partakers of his divine nature. We are crucified with Christ. The old man is killed and buried and crucified. We've been raised up to walk in newness of life. And now we understand that all these things are from God. Those old things have passed away. And this is what we, I'm trying to articulate today. This is my goal today is to share the doctrine of soteriology or salvation so you understand the Bible is God's word. Humanity is made by God in his image for his purposes. Satan tempted and deceived Adam and Eve. Tragically, humanity has fallen. God, however, promised a savior. God made a covenant with man, and God uh, presented the law to the Jewish people. Moses, in fact, in the Ark of the Covenant, do you remember what was contained in the Ark of the Covenant? Three things. Any students of the Bible remember what was put in the Ark of the Covenant? You can read about it in Hebrews. Manna. You know what manna represents? Manna, it means in Hebrew, what is it? 
All of the God's people, Israel, Israel, were in captivity of slavery in ancient Egypt for 430 years. But then let my people go. God raised up Moses. Now there's one greater than Moses who's come. His name is Jesus. What was eradicated in that isolated, geographic, historical, politicized moment now is proliferated throughout all the nations. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so, uh, what else was in the Ark of the Covenant? That, that manna meant provision. He took care of them every day. Uh, I've been in ministry 40 years. God's taken care of me with hidden manna for 40 years. And now he's saying, only be strong and very courageous, possess the land, and a fascinating thing has taken place in our local church. I mean, it is, you can't make up the timing of it. God has been speaking to me in such amazing terms. I'm so thrilled about what God's doing right now. Even the stuff that's designed to make me disgusted and hurt and upset is making me celebrate because I know what God is doing right now. It's exciting what God is doing right now. The gates of hell cannot prevail against what you have in your life. The most dull, worn-out Christian right here is a threat to the forces of darkness. That's why the devil's tried to blunt you, dull you, and distract you and get you tempted. That's precisely why I'm preaching this, so you could get your groove back, get back on your feet, fight the good fight of faith, so you could say, I finished my course with joy, and I've kept the faith, and there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness. Not only for me, but for any and everybody that walks through and follows through on this thing. Can I hear an amen? amen. You guys happy over here? My goal is to stir up your minds by way of reminder and you get to understand, hey, I'm in Christ and, I, and Christ lives in me. Jesus, it's no longer I that lives, it's Christ that lives within me. And look what it says in 2 Corinthians 5, that if anyone is in Christ, how do you get in Christ? I'm glad you asked. You humble yourself. You surrender to him. One time they asked Peter, what must I do to be saved? Repent, believe, be baptized. Simple. People try to make it so complicated. People try to make you question your salvation. Well, can you just pray and be saved? Yes. Jesus died on the cross, and if you mean it and you repent, salvation comes to you. Because why? If you receive Jesus, John chapter 1, verse 12, as many as received him, to them he gives the right and the power to become the children of God even to those who believe on his name. Don't let the devil or people, devil, people, complicate the gospel and make you question your salvation. You get serious about it. You find out for yourself that John chapter 3, verse 16, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him, trusts in him, relies upon him, will not perish, but will have everlasting life. Look at this. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn or judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. There's salvation in no other. There's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. The Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted, to set the captives free, recovery of sight to the blind, helping those who are mourning and grieving and hurting and broken. He came to set captives free. He came to deliver and he came to empower a church of individuals that understand who they are in Christ, who understand who Christ is in them, who have looked at the documenting of all the benefits of walking in faith with God. Hallelujah. God didn't call us to be religious. God didn't call us to some sort of routine framework. None of us are called to that. He called us out of darkness into this marvelous light so we can think differently. 
We're a new species of being which never before existed. These new creation realities, they, they urge us to understand that we were dead, but now we're alive. We were in bondage, now we're forgiven. We were isolated and insecure, now we're under the blood of Jesus. We're empowered for service. We're surrounded by angels. We're filled with purpose. We walk in the Holy Spirit instead of the flesh. And we expect God to do great things and he prevents our lives being aimless and brings us into abundant life. Yesterday we were praying. Thank you. Yesterday we were praying. And uh, my wife, when she was at the, and the nail tech from Thailand, said, there's a great um, Mexican restaurant over the river somewhere, St. Peter's, O'Fallon, we don't know. She, my wife forgot the name. She forgot the address. So we were on a mission. We had been praying through the morning. We were both hungry at the same time. And like my daughter Chelsea said, our GPS always leads us to a Mexican restaurant. So, but this was, in this case, our GPS, we didn't know where to go. We punched in names. We guessed a bunch of names. She looked up online, best Mexican restaurants over the river. There were like 13 of them. They all, you know, they all sounded, uh, made our mouth water. And um, we, none of them sounded like what the uh, na nail tech told Patsy. And then she forgot. And then she told me and I forgot. But yet, God ordered our steps. So we were sitting in the parking lot. We picked one. We punched it into our navigation. And we, off we go. We go down 40. We go across the river. We go to 94. We drive to Jungerman Road. We go up to this place. And we see uh, this restaurant in a strip mall. It says, you are there. You have arrived. Don't you wish we had that? In, don't you wish you had a voice say to you, you have arrived. But anyway, we haven't arrived yet. We're still moving forward. But anyway, we pulled into the parking lot. There was nobody on the side. The, the open, they had a light, up, and I couldn't tell. The sun was hitting it, so I had to keep staring at it to see if it was really, uh, you know, with, with COVID and everything, when are, what are the schedules now? So, oh, it is lit. It's lit. It's lit. Good. So we drove up, parked. We got out, walked in. Lady greeted us. She said, you can sit anywhere you want. We'd never been there before, so we didn't even know where the seats were. So they had a, you know, they had a big area in the back, and they had, but they had a booth in the corner by the window. So we went to the booth in the corner by the window, sat down, ordered our food. The, I said to the girl, you look exactly like the girl that's at the front. She said, I've heard that before. It's because it was the same girl. <laughs> Thank you for laughing. She, she gave me the same kind of courtesy laugh that I didn't really deserve. But anyway, we had the meal. She brought her check. Then my wife decides to invite her to church. And my wife has a strong voice, so everybody in the corner got invited to church. <laughs> and I thought, Patsy, you know, we found out about this girl. She said, well, I'm originally from uh, Puerto Rico, and I, but I've been living in California. I've been, and, I, and then I said, well, what's happening? She said, well, while we, I was there, everything closed down. And then my unemployment went out, and I, I my only living relative in America, um, it, blood relative in America, I called him and said, where are you? So I'm in Missouri. She said, where's that? She had to Google where Missouri is. She Googled where Missouri is, found her way all the way to Missouri, and here she is, and we're having this conversation. I'm just watching my wife be a soul winner, be an ambassador, be a new creation, reach out. And... Um, you know, so she, she said, we, we pastor a church in Chesterfield. And I said, you know, Patsy, she's just gotten here from L.A. She's from Puerto Rico. She's way out here in this obscure 
And, you know, I don't think it was the restaurant that Thai Nail Tech wanted us to go to, but it's where the Holy Spirit wanted us to go. Because we asked about it. She said, yeah, my grandpa is a pastor in uh, Puerto Rico. I said, what's the name of the church? She said, uh, Casa de Amor. I said, what's that mean? Well, uh, House of Love. I smiled real big. I said, I like your grandpa. Anybody pastor in a church called House of Love, right? We're on to something here. Then I realized, no, we didn't go to the right Mexican restaurant. But yes, we did go to the right Mexican restaurant. In fact, she said this. Patsy's explaining, and I'm going, Patsy, Patsy, I'm being all practical. She doesn't know where Chesterfield is. She had to Google where Missouri was. (laughs) And she goes, oh, well, on my other job, I work at the Cheesecake Factory at Chesterfield Mall. It's like, I know exactly where your church is. So we realized we were grandpa's prayer answers to prayer. And that God took us from praying here about all, for all you guys, for this service. But he said, yeah, you want to go? Let, let, you want to go on an adventure with me? There's somebody that's a, a sheep. There's a sheep out there. Go leave, leave the 99 and go find grandpa's granddaughter. This seems to be displaced, but is right in the center of God's perfect will. And Chelsea had a, our daughter Chelsea had a word. She said, God's going to, People are going to think they're coming here for a job, but they're going to be coming here for the church, to come here to come to church. To St. Louis, they're going to draw them. Friday night, we had three elegant gals here, and they were looking up at the ceiling. They said, Pastor Jeff, I have a friend from Nepal, and she's looking for her flag. I said, well, we have a flag in Nepal. She goes, well, where is it? I went, so I started looking for it, and then I had to get Ethan to help me look for it. Didn't you help me? You, you found it, didn't you? You found it right over there. So Ethan... You earned your paycheck this week. (laughs) And uh, so she's rallying under that flag. John Moore's asking her a bunch of questions about Nepal. And I'm meeting, and these two girls are from India, 1.3 billion people. And I said, did you know each other before? No, we came here because of the job. We're being trained. She has a job now. I said, well, she said, my company's actually in California, but we're offshore. So we're we're online. We're working out from home, but eventually we'll be. But God brought us here. And I think, I'm just thinking, we're living the dream here. While there's all this disruption and social distancing and all these issues and shutting things down and all this kind of stuff, the gates of hell cannot prevail against this thing God is building in the end times here, in the end times of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, in the influx and the ingathering of the nations. And the Holy Spirit wants us to think locally, but also pray strategically and globally. And God, it gets down to an, uh, to an individual level. I'm not preaching to a crowd. I'm preaching to an individual, you. And I'm, what I'm preaching is that you will understand and it will occur to you how much God loves you and the life-transforming purposes that he's embedded in you that have called on Jesus, even you that have felt numb and callous, even you that feel like you've gone astray and lost your way, even those of you that feel like you're the crummiest Christian in the building. Let me tell you, we just humble ourselves. And we just say, God, I'm just going to trust you. Thank God this is not a performance-based movement. This is a mercy, grace situation where God empowers us and makes us adequate for service. And oh, by the way, we are his workmanship created in Christ for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. That moment in interacting with that pastor's granddaughter 
in a little simple moment that seemed insignificant, seemed random, seemed like if you just looked at it in natural terms, we just made a, made a mistake and gone to the, diff, the it wasn't the, it was tasty and good, the flavors were great, it was cooked well, service was awesome, atmosphere was clean, it was, we had a great experience, but I don't think it was the restaurant that the Thai nail tech suggested, so we still have another adventure on our hands here. So I walked out of there and thought, wow, the Bible says in the Psalms that the steps of a man are ordered by the Lord. So I don't even believe this is coincidental in here. I think Mark and his son are here for hockey. I, it's funny, I just called his brother. I hadn't talked to his brother for, for years. And I called his brother. We had a conversation. I said, I called your brother. So you called my brother? And we were talking about you and how you tore my shirt off when you were here. When you were, uh, they, we wrestle like, you know, you, you, it was 20 some years ago. And I, I, I'm smarter now. You don't want to wrestle with hockey players, people. They're bred for war. Did I tell you they tore off my Gap shirt? Colossians chapter 1, verse 27. I'm going to finish with this verse. I'm finished now. So it says that, that God willed to make known a mystery. God willed things that were hidden during that time when the Ark of the Covenant and things were so obscure that they just, they just had an inkling. And what Jesus was going to bring was a new covenant inaugurated on better promises. Boy, I'm so glad I'm, I'm in this context. I don't think I could have done well in the Old Testament. I'm just grateful to God that mercy triumphs over judgment. And the, the head of the church, Jesus, specializes in picking up bruised and wounded human beings and making something out of our lives. I'm so excited that the eyes of the Lord are still running to and fro throughout the earth, looking for men and women, children, whose hearts are yielded to him, that he may strongly support. I think about Alex Perez getting baptized with his son. How his young son overcame some fears. Alex, made a successful businessman, he and Sarah, mighty family, and uh, the purposes of God are coming to pass in an amazing way. I'm excited about what the Lord's doing right now. It's amazing what the Holy Spirit is doing in this hour. And it says right here in Colossians, this is what I wanted, to, this is all my introduction to bring this point, and it is this. The, the God willed to make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles. What is that? Read the context, but basically, here it is. Christ in you, the hope of glory. The mystery of the ages is that God made humanity to fellowship with us. God made us for his purposes. And if you bear and believe any other worldview, it will diminish your value substantially. If you believe you're an accident, if you believe you've, you've uh, evolved from the primordial stew of a, a single cell being and somehow over billions of years you just come out of accident from some sort of random chaos, that's a pretty flawed theory. At best, it'll leave you depressed. But yet, when you understand there's a God who created you on purpose with profound, deep, divine intentionality, with supernatural purposes for eternity, 
so that in the ages to come he might show the surpassing riches of his grace, which he's lavished upon each one of us. That he has plans for you, plans for welfare and not calamity to give you a future and a hope. That the people that come to know their God shall be strong and do exploits. And here's what it is. It says that when he's knocking on the door of our heart, we yield to him. Be honest with him. Admit where you are. Be honest about your faults and flaws. Humble yourself and confess it. But then also say, I'm a new creature in Christ. Jesus forgives me. When I call upon his name, mercy triumphs over judgment. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Right? Here's what I want you to do. Study and read and look up the 144 verses in the New Testament about being in Christ, being in him. It'll blow your mind. That's the mystery of the ages. Remember what I said about the Ark of the Covenant? The glory was contained and people were prevented from getting near it. And now, uh, and it's one time a guy tried to study the Ark and he died from it. You saw the movie where the evil guy's head blew up and all the Nazis got burned up. I mean, that's intense. But now, Jesus comes into a situation and turns our life around. You may have never surrendered your life to the Lord, and you can do it today. You may be a Christian, and you may be in a numb, dulled state. I know the devil has worked very hard through these days to blunt our edge, to discount our value, to try to uh, blur our determination, to try to blunt our vision and make it obscure. But today's a day of healing. Today's a day I want you to, I want you to reconnect, rededicate, re, reposition yourself with the Lord. I'm going to close with a prayer. I want you to just stand on the promises of God today, that he loves you, that he has a plan for you, that he has a purpose for you, that in fact you're created for divine exploits, supernatural achievements, and that God is actually going to cause you to learn to be a worshiper, a true warrior, and a living witness, a worshiper, a true warrior, and a living witness, not ashamed, not afraid, not reluctant, not hesitant, not caving in, not full of despair any longer. I believe depression is going to lift off of you today. I believe aimlessness is going to push back, and God's going to restore vision back to you, because without a vision, we perish. But with a vision, we run with, with extreme precision. God has a mission on your life. God has a purpose and an intent for you that is actually customized, correspondent to you specifically. And that's why we don't have to compare ourselves among ourselves. That's why as a pastor, I'm not looking, what are, what's everybody else doing? I, I love the people that are truly called. I lift them up and pray for them constantly. The thing, groups that are not birthed by God, I pray that just they don't cause damage. But I'm praying for the ones God's birthed. Man, the gates of hell can't prevail against those. I'm all into that. But on an individual basis, you are the light of the world. You're the salt of the earth. You're in Christ. You're complete in him. You're more than a conqueror. The greater one lives in you. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You've received the spirit of wisdom and revelation and a clear knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened. Hallelujah. Can we all stand up on our feet? As we do, if there's one person in here that needs to give their life to Jesus, today's your day of salvation. Surrender your life today. If you've backed off, if you've hesitated, if you've halted, if you've yielded to the flesh, 
You can repent right now. Even if you've sown to the flesh and you've reaped decay, which happens to all of us, you can now shift and sow to the Spirit and reap life everlasting. If you walk in the Spirit, you're not under the law. And if you walk in the Spirit, you won't fulfill the desires of the flesh. And so I want you to lift up your hands, yielded to Him, surrendered to Him. Today's, right now, we're just finishing. But right now, this could be the beginning for somebody. I want you to say this with me. Heavenly Father, there's no turning back. I'm standing on solid ground. Jesus is Lord of my life. I surrender to him. I repent for the things I've done, the attitudes that aren't pleasing to you. Please deliver me from temptation. Strengthen me. Help me. Get me on track. Tune me in. Dial me in. Get me on a precision course. Help me to be obedient, fervent, enthusiastic, and alive. I love Jesus. I love the Bible. I love to worship. I love church. I love to pray. I love people. I even love my jerk enemies. I forgive everybody. I'm standing by faith. I'm walking free from fear. I am God's workmanship. I'm created in Christ for good works to show forth his praises. Everywhere I go, angels encamp around me. Goodness and mercy follow me. Your grace is sufficient. Your power is perfected in weakness. I wait upon the Lord. I gain new strength. I'm coming alive today. I'll never be the same. Today's a day of victory, healing, breakthrough, blessing, abundance. I go out with joy. I'm led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills break before me and the trees of the fields clap their hands. Hallelujah.